If you've lost track of coronavirus variants' names, join the club. I'm a global health reporter, and I cannot even keep up. But here's one that is easy to remember. The BQ11 Omicron subvariant, or as someone on Twitter said, the barbecue variant. This is Pulse Check. I'm Carmen Pond. Here are a couple of headlines I'm watching this week. The FDA authorized emergency use of bivalent COVID-19 vaccines for kids. The Omicron targeting booster shot for kids as young as five and six. Peter Marks, the FDA top vaccine regulator, said that although COVID-19 tends to be less severe in children than adults, as the newer waves of COVID have occurred, more children have gotten sick and been hospitalized. Only 39% of kids aged 5 to 11 have received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine so far. And only 5% of the eligible U.S. population has received the updated bivalent dose. And rising healthcare costs are going to become another big economic challenge for Joe Biden. Last month, the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas estimated that the rate of healthcare inflation will almost double in the next year. I'm Sam Sutton. Sam, let's start with why healthcare inflation is coming. During the pandemic, the year after the pandemic, people weren't going to the doctor as often. If they needed an elective procedure, they weren't going to get that. They're putting off, you know, basic care. And what that ended up doing was really pinching the margins of hospitals, health networks, clinicians generally. Everybody knows that story. As people have gone back to work, they've also started going back to get the care that they either didn't receive during that time period or that has cropped up over the previous two years. So utilization is now way up. And as utilization goes up, it puts a little bit of a strain on the healthcare system. So you've got that happening. And then on top of that, you've got, and this is true throughout the economy, in the healthcare space specifically, it's gotten more and more expensive to pay clinicians for care. This is another story that everybody, I think, has a good grasp on. Tons of folks left the healthcare labor market during the pandemic, either because they were retiring or because they were overworked or overburdened or they could find better paying work elsewhere. So all of a sudden the labor market's getting much tighter and it's getting that much more expensive to pay clinicians. And then on top of all of that, we're now, you know, two closing in on three years past when things were at their worst. That's usually around the time that all of these inflationary pressures start to make their way into the gauges that the Federal Reserve looks at. And I'm talking specifically about the PCE, which is their preferred inflation gauge. So the Dallas Bank of the the Federal Reserve put out a paper last month that basically said, look, usually as labor costs increase, inflation in the healthcare lags a year. So we start to see wages shoot up in healthcare, and then a year later we start to see inflation. That reflected in the reflation data that the Fed looks at. So that's happening. And then last but not least, as you know, contracts between insurance companies and providers are often negotiated years in advance, and they take into account not only the care that they expect folks to utilize moving forward, but also the existing pressures that the providers, the health networks, the hospitals are feeling. So all of that kind of comes together and makes it, and what a lot of folks are worried about is that that will lead to eventually over the next couple of years, much more expensive premiums, 
Alternatively, if large employers decide that they can't afford to pay for the same level of benefits or care that they were paying for before, that that will push up deductibles, that that will push up out-of-pocket costs, and all of that trickles down. I'm sure that that explanation has a ton of holes in it and that there are probably some economists who would want to beat me over the head. But on a basic level, that's kind of what I'm trying to address. All of those pressures coming together to create much higher prices in a sector that's already extremely expensive compared to other parts of the economy. Is there something that the Biden administration can do to tamp down some of this pressure coming together to raise healthcare costs? In some respects, there are some steps that they've taken that already address this to a certain extent. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act included some reforms that will affect how the government pays for pharmaceuticals. And that's a huge driver of healthcare costs. And, you know, they're essentially saying we're we're only going to pay this much. And so that's, that's a, you know, from an inflation standpoint, that's probably a positive. From a, you know, kind of consumer-facing standpoint, IRA also contained, you know, Obamacare subsidies. So folks who are getting their coverage through the exchanges aren't going to feel the same level of pinch that they would have felt, you know, had those subsidies not passed. There are some other steps that they could take, mostly involving Medicare and Medicaid, but it's unclear at this stage whether there's going to be a ton of appetite to do that in the aftermath of IRA and in a um, post-midterm environment that is going to be politically complicated. You are talking about this rising cost happening over the next two years or so. Um, what's the kind of earliest that it will happen? Is it sort of like early next year when people will start to see the increase of their premiums or is that already happening in some parts? That's already happening in some places, particularly as it relates to like 2023 plans. Those costs are already going to be baked in. I think what you're likely to see from an inflation standpoint is healthcare inflation is going to start going up, at least according to the Dallas Fed, around mid-2023. And then will continue to be elevated through at least the end of 2024. There are folks in the White House who think that it'll start to tail off over the next few quarters, but you know that remains to be seen, and that might that might be a very optimistic point of view. Last year, they were also saying the same thing about inflation in general, right? That will kind of like go away, and it looks like that hasn't happened. Yeah, it was, it was, just the it was transitory. Is it is it like are they repeating the same mistake again uh, on like healthcare cost or? Do they have more reasons to be optimistic on this one than just inflation in general? I think that's a hard that's a hard one to say because one of the reasons they were wrong about overall inflation being transitory last year had to do with external factors and like international factors that are kind of not I don't want to say beyond the US's control but in many respects beyond the US's control. I mean there were supply chain issues in China Russia's invasion of Ukraine, like all of these things had a, had a hand in that. I think with healthcare, it's a bit trickier because this is a market and a sector that is so heavily regulated internally in the United States. So in some respects, they do have more levers to pull compared to global supply chains. So they might be right. They might be able to put some policies in place that, that keep costs relatively down for folks. But I quoted a guy in the story named Jay Want, who's a physician and a senior advisor at Peterson. And he, you know, he basically, he said, healthcare prices always go up 
they never ratchet down. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the quote in front of me, but it's something to that effect. And that's kind of how I, I feel that this is going to go. Whether or not the Biden administration can keep that um, upward slope at a manageable rate, that remains to be seen. Well, Sam, thank you so much for talking to us about it. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. I'm a healthcare reporter that follows global health. And one of the biggest stories I'm watching now are the diseases cropping up in other countries. Ebola is one of the most concerning. The most recent outbreak of the virus, for which there's not a vaccine, is in Uganda and is caused by the so-called Sudan strain, for which there is not a vaccine and there's no treatment. The risk of Ebola spreading beyond the borders of Uganda is something that the World Health Organization talked to reporters about in their regular briefing on Wednesday. I would love to find some quiet time. There is no between epidemics anymore. We're in a constant struggle uh, all around the world, particularly in Africa. But I do think it's important now, the relative quiet time that the surrounding countries have, to use that time. Um, and it is not a disaster if disease moves across the border. The disaster is that it is not detected and contained. I'm also following the rise of malaria in Pakistan after the devastating flood that happened there recently. The World Health Organization said that while countries are spending trillions fighting wars in the world, they also need to spend a bit more money to save lives in Pakistan. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ammon is the executive producer of Audio at Politico. I'm Carmen Pond. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.